When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is the Grit and Barrett podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Calder Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, everyone. It's, you did it. You got through the month of August, everyone. It's over. We finally have Hershey Bears something at at the end of the month. Do we have preseason hockey? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, it, it is Labor Day week, everyone. It's actually Labor Day when this podcast drops on here, but... You're getting close. You just got to get through Labor Day weekend, get out to some of these fall festivals or late summer festivals, whatever you do, you know, indulge in a little bit of Lord football a little bit. And then is that, is that, is that NHL training camps? I smell that will be starting up soon here within the next week or two. But as a wise actor in a music video once said, you don't know where you've where you're going until you know where you've been. I think it was Will Smith that said that. And we and myself and Corey Schwartz once again of Field Pass Hockey covering Hershey Bears, the Atlantic Division, and wherever the heck else they decide to, to send him. We are going to be talking about the Hershey Bears 2009-2010 God mode. Calder Cup squad. Corey, thank you so much for coming on, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to go on a little trip down memory lane for this one. Is it's it feels like it was just yesterday, but then you look back at it and you say, Wow, it's already been what are we looking at here? Like 12 years at this point, a little over 12 years. So it's you know, it's hard to believe in a lot of ways because it still, you know, in many ways feels like it was just yesterday. It, it's it's indeed been the better part of a decade. And that was the first season yours truly started going. I remember that brisk October night going to Giant Center, not knowing what I was getting myself in into and where it would lead to where I am today. And I had no idea 
that the kind of season that we all had before us in the 09-10 squad. And this is going to be fun, everyone. Now, as you've noticed by the length of this podcast, it's going to be a little long in the tooth because we have an entire freaking hockey season to cover. There's going to be a lot on the table. But I'm sure for all of you Bears fans who went through this are going to want to remember and reminisce and reminisce about the great team that graced the ice here at Giant Center. But first, before we get started, got to pay the bills also slightly. So before we do kick off this retrospective megacast, this podcast is brought to you by Yeats Sunglasses. We're entering the finale of summer, everyone, but you still need a pair of stylish sunglasses. Don't reach for the big bug-eyed sunglasses that you have in your glove compartment. Yeats Sunglasses has you covered. Slick and stylish sunglasses starting at $24.99. They have a variety of of colors, including the nice, nice cheetah style as well. My personal favorite is the big blue wave one because it reminds me of Bret Hart sunglasses from back in the day. Make sure you check out Yeet Sunglasses and enter my code hockey at checkout to save you 10%. You're welcome. That's Yeet's Y double E T Z official. Dot com. Check out all their styles. And just in time for the winter season, everyone, they have snowboarding goggles as well, if that is your thing. That's yeetsofficial.com for Yeet Sunglasses, the sponsor of the Grit and Barrett podcast. All righty. Now that that's out of, out of the way, you ready, Corey? Absolutely. All righty. So we're going to get into this. We're going to start with the American Hockey League in general. The season started in the year of our Lord, 2009, October 2nd, 2009. It it is the American Hockey League's 74th year in existence. Because if you remember, Corey, the following year, we had those blue, white, and red anniversary jerseys that every team had to wear. You remember those bad boys? I do remember those. Those were, that was an unusual time. For those jerseys, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember if they wore those jerseys every, you know, only on certain occasions. I do have a specific memory of uh, Joel Recklish being on the team that yep. season and uh, having his hat trick of fights in one of those jerseys, too. Yeah, that that was the night where Joel Recklish became a star in those in those blue jerseys. I think everybody had to wear one and they had to pick their game. The HL was like, all right, all right, all right. It, it's like you're giving a special suit to your kid. Okay, you got to wear this to one Sunday. You have to wear this to church once, and grandma just wants you to see you wear it. So I, everybody in the league had to do it at that point. But that that we're not covering that one. So it is 2000, 2009. The AHL is going through some changes that year, some affiliation and team changes, affiliation changes in the American Hockey League. You don't say. He says, wearing the sarcasm hat. See if some of these team names ring a bell. The Quad City Flames were moved to Abbotsford, British Columbia to become the Abbotsford Heat for the next four seasons, relocated due to poor ticket sales. Remember that team, Corey? I was like, gee, I wonder if that's going to become a trend or not. (laughs) I I wonder not. I wonder if so. Uh, the Texas Stars came into the league under a limited membership to become the affiliate of the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars actually did not have an AHL affiliate in 08 and 09. 
And for some of you wondering what a limited membership means is that is that the American Hockey League partially owned the Texas Stars along with the Dallas Stars, and then Dallas assumed 100% ownership the following season. Kind of like your parents helping you get a loan for a house, and then um, they'll help you make payments for a few months, and then the whole thing's your responsibility. So sort of like that. That's unusual. I didn't remember that that was the first year the Texas Stars were part of the AHL. More specifically, the Dallas didn't have an affiliate at that time, which just goes to show you how different, really, the league is was back then and how different it is nowadays is it's, you know, it feels almost illegal for a team not to have its own affiliate at this point. Very much. So the Iowa chops involuntary suspended operations as of July 7th, 2009 by the board of governors for being, and you can't see this on the video, but I'm sure all of you would get a chuck out of it. Unable to remedy certain violations of the provisions of the league's constitutions and bylaws. And swear war, swear warning coming up. Layman's terms, you done fucked up, son. Somebody done fucked up somewhere. So it's, and I heard rumors about the Iowa Chops, something about payroll discrepancies, players not getting paid. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty there in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, so you, you've just brought back a memory of about the Iowa Chops. I completely forgot about them. I mean, I, I think that. You know, they've done a very good job since Minnesota came in and, you know, renamed it to the Iowa Wild. They've done a pretty good job of keeping their noses clean since then. But again, that's that's a relic of a bygone era in a sense where, you know, you had some more of these controversies at the, the minor league level, whereas, you know, they've really cleaned it up. And I, we haven't really had time to appreciate that um, as much these days. And lastly, the one other big news, because I saved this especially for you, Corey. The Philadelphia Phantoms relocated to Glens Falls, New York, because in the fall of 2009, the Wachovia Center, otherwise known as the Old Spectrum, was demolished, and they became the Adirondack Phantoms. So I'm sure as a resident Flyers fans, Flyers fan here, that, that, that hurts seeing that arena go away. That was a rough time. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, seeing the first wrecking ball go into that place a few times and, you know, it still stinks because it's it's such a legendary venue. I mean, there's there's never going to be another spectrum. And, you know, um, we had the great fortune of being the team to wipe the Philadelphia Phantoms off the map the previous season with a four-game sweep in the playoffs there uh, en route to the 2009 championship, I remember very well. Um, yep. You know, start of a brutal uh, series of years where it was the Adirondack Phantoms who did absolutely nothing during their time until they got moved back to Lehigh Valley. So a bit of a tumultuous time there in Phantom's history, I'm sure. But, you know, again, miss the spectrum. It was such a unique old barn. So uh, it was always neat is, you know, sometimes in Philadelphia, you go down to a Flyers game. And if it was an afternoon game, basically they staggered the times. Sometimes your ticket for the Flyers game would also be good for to go down to over to the spectrum and watch the Phantoms play later on that evening. So it was, it was just a really cool and unique setup that you just don't see so much anymore. Yeah, it, I, I'd heard stories about how the Spectrum was, you know, was a, a tough place to play. Um, I remember going to the old uh, um, old uh, First Union Center. I think it was called 
back in the 90s or the FU Center, as somebody has once called it, to see the Sixers play back then. So, um, yeah, just a, 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 an area of sports hi- history in the city of Philadelphia, the last of that to come down, because um, I think by then Veterans Stadium was gone. Um, the Wachovia Center was built and everything, or the, the Wells Fargo Center, uh, the Comcast Center, whatever the heck you want to call it these days. Um, but yeah, the Philadelphia Phantoms moved to Adirondack, and I guarantee you, you ask any Phantoms fan, you do not mention those five years up in Glens Falls. You do not mention that. I've heard that straight from people in Allentown. So the American Hockey League is has uh, still has two divisions at this point, two mega divisions, two conferences. Your two conferences are such. The Atlantic Conference consists of the Wooster Sharks, Portland Pirates, Manchester Monarchs, Lowell Devils, Bridgeport Sound Tigers, Hartford Wolfpack, Providence Bruins, and the Springfield Falcons. The East Division consists of the Adirondack Phantoms, Syracuse Crunch, Binghamton Sanders, Norfolk Admirals, Wilkes-Barre, Albany, and Hershey. That's how the East is set up. And in case any of you are wondering, the, uh, the Western Conference consists of the North, Hamilton Bulldogs, Rochester Americans, Abbotsford Heat, Manitoba Moose, Toronto Marlies, Lake Erie Monsters, Grand Rapids Griffins, and out west is the Chicago Wolves, Texas Stars, Rockford Icehogs, the Milwaukee Admirals, Peoria Rivermen, the San Antonio Wampage, and the Houston Arrows. So that is your American Hockey League in the year of our Lord 2009. Very different than what we see today. Yeah, I was about to say, you're making me nostalgic just rattling off some of those names like, you know, the Binghamton Senders, Manchester mm-hmm. Monarchs, you know, a lot of teams that are, you know, Portland Pirates too. You know, they're, they've been long gone, but in a ways, you know, I I can tell you, I grew up with the Bears around that era. And, you know, it was just some of those teams were just, you know, classic, classic era opponents for the Bears. I feel like, you know, a lot of the teams you'd see on telecasts on ABC 27 and things like that. There's a lot of things I miss about that era. So a lot of, a lot of fond memories of those teams and, you know, hard to believe it's been so long since some of those teams have been gone, honestly. Yeah, and just for a little bit of a stat, the leading skaters, or i.e. the big point getters of the season, uh, top five players in the league, uh, David David Dehar, David Dehar Nans, I'm horribly dull. I apologize to Hamilton and Quebec for butchering his name, whatever happened to him. Jerome Sam- Samson from Albany, whatever happened to him, was fourth. Corey Locke. The blonde-haired bombshell himself for Hartford at 85 points, but head and shoulders in the entire league at number one and number two from your Hershey Bears, Keith Coin and Alexander Giroux, 106 and 103. The defense rests your honor. Corey Locke had 85. Alexander Giroux had 103. Eat your hearts out. Yeah, it was just how on a different level those guys were at those times. Like, you know, it was it's it's one of those things where, you know, you really saw just the those two bring out the best in each other. And it's just, you know, like you said, definitive one, definitive two, there is no question. You know, they broke so many scoring records, you know, just even looking at the, you know, some of the roster uh, you know, scorecards from this season, the Bears just put up goals. And, you know, a couple of teams that shut him out at times in the season, you know, 
pat yourself on the back. That's an achievement right there, honestly. So, you know, the Bears are fortunate to have those guys and have them all the time. And, you know, it's just not something you see anymore. And that's that's just what it's part of what made that season so special was just having those two guys for the entire year. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Agreed. Uh, the top goaltenders, and we'll get to Unicorn here in a bit, the top goaltenders of that season, um, only one Hershey Bear in it. Uh, Mark DeConnick of the Milwaukee Admirals. Fourth was Washington's Bay and Spirit Animal. Brandon Holtby, 37 games, 232 goals against average in a 917 season average. Pretty darn good. By any standards, C- Curtis Sanford for Hamilton, Jonathan Bernier for the Manchester Monarchs, whatever happened to him. But the top goaltender in the league was uh, Cedric Dijarnans. Right. With Hamilton. Uh, two. A goal against average of two and a 919 save percentage. Nine, 29, 9, and 4 on the season. Um, yeah, different goaltending in the American Hockey League back then. Good to see a bear there in the in the top five. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Um, this one, but I believe the Bears actually rotated through three goaltenders that season because they had Hopi got the lion's share of some of those starts. Uh, Jason Bacashua was also there as one of the goaltenders to get a lot of starts. And the Bears got Michael Neuverth back after a decent stint up in Washington during that season, if I'm not mistaken. So they technically had three goaltenders or else, you know, I, I firmly believe that, you know, Hopi or, you know, whether it be Hopi, whether it be Neuverth, that they have him the whole season, one of those two guys would have been one of the top dogs in the league if they had been there for the entire season. Agreed. It, it was, it was Hopi, it was Neuverth. Jason Bashawa got a good amount of time that year. Uh, raise your hands or honk your horns if you remember Jason Bashawa with the Bears. Um, I don't think Freddie was with them. I think I think this was just beyond Kasibi's playing time. But um, but let's turn our sights to the Hershey Bears. Corey, what have you got going on in Hershey? What's going on with the chocolate and white coming off of a Calder Cup in two thousand eight and two thousand nine? That was a pretty interesting offseason because the Bears did actually lose a good amount of their talent from the year before. You know, some of it was in some significant areas, too. I mean, two of their top five scores in the playoffs departed in Graham Mink and Stefan Cronwall. Um, another key scorer from the season, although he was not in the top five, was Oscar Osla departed uh, that summer. They lost a couple of guys like Tyler Sloan, Quentin Lang. Um Another key piece, you know, lots of Bears fans will remember Dean Arsini, the mayor himself. Uh, That was his last season as a Bear, believe it or not, as well. 
But a lot of guys stepped up and, you know, really kind of took the reins as a result. I mean, you know, I think Giroux and McCoin, you know, stayed about on average to, you know, probably average each other out just a little bit more, but continue to produce. Um, obviously, it was a much bigger season even for Chris Bork in the playoffs there as well. Uh, a few more points, a few more goals. Um, Andrew Gordon was another reason. Matthew Perot, you know, a lot of guys that were, you know, some of the younger guys stepped up and, you know, it kind of trimmed the group down a little bit. You know, Patrick Weller really stepped into being a full-time bear at that point as well. Um, you know, just a few more contributions across the board there during the playoffs, at least. And during the regular season, you know, there's a group effort. And one fun fact I always like to point out about this team is that the 09-10 season was the first time we ever saw Garrett Mitchell don a Bears jersey for one game. Just Mitchell. one game. And so he was, I think he got to be around for that run there as well, for sure. <laughs> Mitchell, we love him. Um, yeah, so I, I took a look at, at the uh, the goaltenders from that season. I kind of admitted one important Bears goaltender because he'd be a factor for, he. I think he'd be up and down between Washington and Hershey a lot. Simeon Varlamov, the Simeon, was with the Bears that that, that season. It wasn't Bashawa. And I think he spent a good amount of time in Washington. He actually had a really nice half and half helmet with half Hershey bears and half Washington capitals on it. Very nice. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Actually, that is a pretty cool detail of that helmet. Uh, it does come back to mind because, uh, you know, anytime you get a, a bears goal, you know, capitals goaltending prospect to wrap the bears colors on their stuff, you know, always take notice of that. Always appreciate that as uh, you know, as bears fans for sure. Yeah. And uh, well, I remember it because like he, it, those shots of him were like front and center on like the NBC and versus broadcast later on in the playoffs. And I just remembered the side of the helmet was even, even had this, the big swatting bear logo on it. So, you know, it was really nice, as you said, to see the bears get appropriate representation, but yeah, l like you said, that's a lot of, um, a lot of talent coming in and out of Hershey that year. And, um, you know, I'm sure some people thought, well, you could, could this team, you know, repeat for the first time in nearly 25 years. I think at that point, it'd been 25 years since we had back-to-back -back champions and we would find out as a regular season would get underway. Opening night at giant center was October 3rd. In the year of our Lord, 2009, as the Hershey Bears took on the Norfolk Admirals that night at Giant Center. 10,075 stuffed themselves into Giant Center that night, including yours truly, to watch the banner being dropped from way up in the corner there just above uh, 226, if I'm, I'm correct. And uh, fun fact, that was my first Hershey Bears game. I I I'd never known, you know, what Bears hockey was before that. I'd never been to a live hockey game before, but um, there I was sitting behind the North the Norfolk net with no idea what I was in in for that night. Um, Corey, were you at Giant Center for that night? Oh boy, I don't remember to be honest. And the reason I can tell you is because I was still in school back then. So ah. there was a decent chance that, you know, that was before I was a dedicated full time season ticket holder. Now, I will say I've been 
in and around the bears since I was, you know, practically as young as I can remember. My, my dad and my grandfather actually took me as a, I would have been like two and a half probably or so, um, two or three, I guess when, um, the bears won the Calder cup in 1997. So of course I don't remember Mm. that, but I've been told that they made me touch the Calder cup at some point as a, you know, youngster that around that time. And, um, you know, really fell in love with it, the 05-06 season. So, you know, we were always kind of in and around it. We weren't, like, full-time into it, I would probably call it, at least at that point. So, you know, we'd, we'd make some regular season games, some playoff games. I was playing hockey at the time um, in high school. So our schedules were pretty busy. So I don't know that I was there for this one. I can't remember, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, certainly was in and around it for – the 09 season for the playoffs um, and then some later for 2010, of course. Yeah. I actually found this uh, just now, as you were talking, found out a, uh, a press release from Hersheybears.com back on October 2nd um, when they were, they announced their opening night roster and announced that uh, Brian Helmer would be wearing the captaincy for that season for the second consecutive season. The alternates for that year uh, would be Boyd Kane and Keith Acoin. Solid, solid choices, I believe. I think very, very solid. Um, Nineteen players were returning from the pre from the previous season, and I just think this is a little funny that this is like the last sentence. Um, uh, fans are advised to be in their seats by six thirty for Hershey's Calder Cup celebration prior to puck drop. <laughs> I mean. D- other teams do this. I'm I'm just laughing because like it's been it it's just like okay, it's been I think it's such a long time since we've had to do something like like that. That's true. I mean it's you know, it's kinda along the lines of the Chris Bork jersey retirement we were talking about last time I was on the show. Um, uh, you know, it's been for that one, it's been twenty years since we've had to do something like that. And then for, you know, a Calder Cup thing, that just sounds alien to me because it's, you know, again, it's been so long since we've had to to think about something like that. It it certainly would have been exciting that night to, to be there. But, you know, back in those days, I'll definitely tell you, I remember for a while there, it felt like the Bears would never not win the Calder Cup or be going deep in the playoffs since, you know, 2009, uh, you know, 2009-2010 was the fourth season out of the five that the bears had gone that far in the playoffs to the finals, at least, you know, three color cups, four final appearances, you know, all five of those years, they made the playoffs at the very least, Uh, aside from one stinker in 08, you know, uh, some, just some strong teams. So, you know, that back then it felt regular to us. I can tell you that much. Definitely. And this was the tail end of the golden era of giant center hockey. Like you said, four finals visits in five seasons, two cups already hunting down a third, just, you know, um, as cliche as it is, bears fans thought the good times could never end, which only made what would happen over the next couple of years. Um, just what always happens. So the opening night was against the North, the, uh, the Norfolk admirals, and um, I just apologize to everyone. Um, I do not have detailed game results of these because, unfortunately, HersheyBears.com, the Hershey Bears app, at least right now, isn't updated enough to where I could actually go back and look up some of these games' actual stats because I'd love to. So, um, unfortunately, well, what? 
Richard, I do have one for you is that on the AHL's website, it actually does contain schedules and scoring results from that season there too. So if you want, I can chip you in on what happened for some of the detailed scoring on that one. And it was a hat trick uh, for please. Andrew Gordon. Uh, please, three please do. Power, three please, power please play do. goals for Andrew Gordon. All oh, A trio of assists for Alexander Drew and a pair for Keith Coin. Bears went three for six on the power play on Norfolk. And uh, one by a three to one count. Braden Holpe got his, got his win with 23 saves. On freaking real a hat trick i don't remember the hat trick i i thought i i would remember that i remember being at that game and i remember seeing norfolk's uh white jerseys and for all of you who do know the bears wore uh calder cup champion jerseys that night um you know bears doing specialty jerseys i know unheard of um but they were really nice i remember they had the years outlined there on the bottom and they were really, really nice looking. Auctions off, auctioned off after the game uh, for probably the amount of a mortgage payment. So, um, really, really nice jerseys per se. And from that night, I was uh, um, pretty much hooked that night uh, for being a, uh, a Bears fan that night, just because it was such a great atmosphere that night. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that was one of the things with that team, like you mentioned earlier, you know, it felt like the good times would never, never, never cease, to be honest with you. And, you know, that was just another indicator of it. You know, the Bears came out very strong to open up this season here with, you know, starting with that game. And, you know, it was kind of an early indicator that, you know, hey, this Bears machine was, you know, going to keep rolling here. And, you know, uh Andrew Gordon, especially, you know, he had a pretty, pretty solid year, you know, in 2009, but oh nine ten, he just took it up a notch, man. It was just a whole nother notch. And, you know, there's a reason why the guy is so beloved in Hershey is just because, you know, he was, he was just that good. I mean, he put up 71 points that season, you know, it was one better than Chris Bork's entire output, of course, you know, with 30 more games in order to attain that, of course, during his prime, but, you know, he was their third leading scorer for good reason. And, you know, putting him out there with Giroux and a coin, it was just next level by a mile for sure. Agreed. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's refreshing to see that the American hockey league starting as early as it did. Um, uh, October, like October 3rd, you, you know, we're, you know, we're here pining for, um, you know, um, October 15th to come around, but um, October 3rd, you know, just starting that early, I mean, it's just, it, it's kind of nice to see, and I'd like to see it come back a little bit. If I remember correctly, too, you know, you're up, they were up to 80 games that season, I think it, if, I, if memory serves. 80 or 8, uh, see, I think it is 80. I think it Gosh, is 80. Yeah, I was about to say, it's not, not quite coming to me, and of course, you know, I don't think everybody yes, 80, played. Yes, it is 80. Okay, gotcha, yes. that makes, makes the most sense, but you know, it, it was that, you know, that early is just unfathomable. That's two days after my birthday. So, you know, usually it's my birthday and then you wait a couple of weeks and then you get your bears or, you know, if you're lucky, a preseason game falls yeah. the week before or after type of thing. I'm, I'm with you on this one. I think it should start that early. And I know that this season they're, you know, probably more trying to balance out how late the playoffs went last year 
Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By having a slightly belated start, maybe mm-hmm. compared to normal. Obviously, it's not too far off the average. I think it falls about about the same time that it did last season, but... um. Even so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you'd like to think they balance it out by bringing it back early sometime. But, you know, hey, we're just happy to have hockey back whenever it comes around. So, um, you know, we're down a few games from the 80 of that season, but, you know, doesn't mean we love it any less. But I'm with you. The sooner the better, honestly. Exactly. So as per usual with the Hershey Bears, one home game and then on the road they went as they would go to uh, to Wilkes-Barre to take on the baby penguins, and they go, ha-ha, shut out. Shutting out Wilkes-Barre, which um, don't don't all of you laugh out there. The, the, the 2000s Wilkes-Barre's were no slouches themselves. The Pittsburgh farm system was pretty decent back then. Uh, this was a Wilkes-Barre team that had come off three Calder Cup finals visits in the 2000s themselves. So um, to go up there and to do that to Wilkes-Barre in Wilkes-Barre at a time, boys and girls, when Wilkes-Barre hockey was a tough ticket to get up there. So to get the three, nothing win up there and then to go up to Binghamton the following week, God, I miss going up to Broome County. Eight, one, eight, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ah, ah, ah. And for all of you wondering, this this would be a trend for this season. The first of many shutouts for the Bears th- this year. Yeah, and the one thing I did want to point out, to, you know, go along with your point about Wilkes-Barre being no slouches. I'm just looking at the, the roster from back then. You have Derek England, Zach Sill, mm-hmm. Chris Connor were all on the roster for mm-hmm. uh, Wilkes-Barre on that night. So some, some names that Bears fans are very familiar with. And, you know... Um, a number of others that, you know, just jog the memory here for sure. And, you know, right, right to go along with your point there. A lot of guys that were, you know, it was, it was not easy. That's for sure. And, you know, goes to show, you know, last season, the bears made history by beating Wilkes-Barre so many times in a row. And it's for good reason, because it was not an easy thing to do for many years, even despite how good the bears were. And, you know, the one trend that, you know, this Binghamton game was definitely the start of was, a lot of times where the bears put up eight goals in a single game. And, you know, it, it's hard to hit eight goals in the American hockey league, especially anymore. So, you know, the fact these guys did it and did it on the regular, honestly, is, uh, you know, yeah. one of the trends we'll see that I thought was, you know, just so remarkable that season. And like you said, with, uh, with Wilkes-Barre notable names from that season, like you said, Chris Connor, Mark Latestu, Dustin, Dustin Joffrey, Eric Tan Grady, Robert Pertuzzo, Zach Sill, Derek England, Jesse Belarus, or Jesse Bull of Rice, depending on who you ask. Um, Kevin Volu, 
Um, all these guys uh, and a goalie in net, you might've heard of him by the name of Brad Teeson. All these guys got NHL time. So don't scoff at this team for what the bears were able to do beating Wilkes-Barre and Binghamton, uh, that year, uh, was, um, had guys like, um, Ryan Keller, Derek Smith, Zach Smith, uh, Jim O'Brien, Brian Lee, and a rookie defenseman by the name of Eric Carlson. What would ever happen to him? So, yeah, Binghamton, uh, very young and very meh, very 500. The Bears always seem to have their number that season. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that was one of the things about Binghamton. You know, it, it reminds you of Binghamton and Norfolk were both two places that the Bears enjoyed tremendous success in, especially that season and you know, as Norfolk's time in the AHL, you know, kind of wrapped up, it was, it was always a fun trip for, to, to Norfolk, to the scope. Um, you know, the bears just absolutely had their number for so long and, you know, it just kind of, you know, the good times, like you said, the good times kept rolling there in a lot of ways. The bears would suffer their first loss of the season at home. It, honestly at home, come on against the Manchester Monarchs two one Lost Jonathan Bernier getting the win on that one. 10,000 strong once again there at Giant Center and those beautiful Manchester Monarch purple jerseys. Mwah! Love them. Absolutely love them. This was a squad that had Jonathan Bern- Bernier, Joe Pascula, Alec Martinez as well. A lot of what you are going to see out of Manchester would become the, the the pieces that would become the Kings Stanley Cup champions in just a few years. Yeah, I mean, you know, Manchester, for what it was worth, you know, they built up to, you know, eventually going out, you know, on a high note by winning the Calder Cup in their last AHL season. I believe that would have been the 14-15 season. Yeah. And, you know, they're still a good few years away from that. But like you said, it was a couple of pieces that were very important towards um towards Manchester, you know, not only winning the Calder cup, but, you know, in the shorter term, LA winning the Stanley cup. So there's a lot of pieces there that got their start there. And, you know, they made some right moves there, including poaching a lot of guys off of, uh, off of the flyers in a good short term deal. And, you know, it was, it was a big, absolutely big. They were trending up in the right direction there, even back to this season. The Adirondack phantoms would come to town and get their revenge and get a win at giant center and um, for you, Corey, again, being the resident Flyers fans, you are <laughs> check out this team that that Adirondack was throwing out, throwing out there. Jonathan Mizamoto, Patrick Maroon, Stefan Legion, Jason Warren, Joey Mormina, Mark Andre Bourdon, uh, Danny Savret, Sean Curry, Kevin Marshall. And let's see here. One, two, three and ten. Count them. 10 goaltenders dressed for Adirondack that year. 10. Brian Boucher, Ray, Ray Emery, Carter Hutton, Johan Backlund, John Graham, Jeremy Duchesne, Nicola Rappel, Brian Stewart, Michael Teslak, and Chris Myatt. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a time where the Flyers sold the farm. You know, that was oh God, the- yes. That was the season, you know, obviously a great time in Flyerland here. One of the mm-hmm. last great times we'd ever see, seemingly, uh, when the Flyers made it to the Stanley Cup final and lost to the Chicago Blackhawks in six games in a series I'm still bitter about to this day. You but, uh, you know, 
they had sold the farm. They traded a lot to get Chris Pronger. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that were key pieces for a few seasons for the Flyers that, you know, really date back to the disastrous 06-07 season that, you know, sort of led up to this. But, the you know, the Flyers had absolutely sold in the farm here. There's a couple of, you know, noteworthy names that would go up. I'm seeing on the, the roster here, you know, Oscars Bartulis was one. Um, Andreas Nodal was one of them. Yep. And, you know, there in the bottom, he scored a goal in this game, Patrick Maroon, you know, one of the guys that got away and, you know, ended up being such a key piece over in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, all these years later was cutting his teeth in Andorondack with the Phantoms. And, you know, that's still hard to believe in some ways, too. So, you know, the Flyers kind of, you know, sold him out a little bit. But, hey, you know, give him credit. Andorondack wasn't off to a terrible start by uh, taking down the Bears, surprisingly enough, yeah. in this first matchup of the season. Well, the Bears would finish out the month um, with losses at Wilkes-Barre, 6-4, and uh, a loss to Binghamton 6-5 to be at the dreaded 500 mark. Fans are complaining. Mark French doesn't deserve to be a, a, a head coach. Everyone's hating their, jo- their job. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. And wouldn't you know it, the Bears uh, would rattle off nine out of their next 10 wins. Points in nine straight games. Nine out of 10 wins to go into the the hollandaise at 15 6 and 2 that is a 12 2 run in november in freaking november they are doing this and we're not going through every game cuz it's a very long season but knowing the bears faithful and knowing the kind of crowd that was at giant center at that point the bears are 4 and 4 lots of talent losing the wilkesbury everything's horrible fire everyone yeah, and back in those days, you know, the the concern was championship fatigue. Um, you know, seeing if, you know, like you said, if some of the staff that had rolled over there, Mark French taking the reins specifically, you know, if that was going to pan out in a lot of ways. And, you know, again, some of this stuff happens in the early going in the season. You know, the Bears weren't great, but they, you know, they were they had some of the pieces there in some of those games. Like the Wilkes-Barre game was an absolute barn burner, a six to four game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like you said, you know, you hit November and listen, we say this with the bears, even to this day, you know, the first couple of months you can recover from a bad team time in that respect, but you really start to assert yourself at that point too. If you can rattle off a great month of November, even a good month of November and the bears didn't just that, like you said, with so many wins, I'm seeing a lot of multi-goal wins. I'm seeing a oh, lot yeah. of games where it was Same not here. close. No, uh, just for, lineup. for some of you wondering, uh, here's just a bit of a stretch. Four one five one five three three one five two three two shootout loss uh, loss versus Providence five one win five four shootout loss so lots of goals being scored and um, when you have a team that's good goaltending can be yeah there is one game on here that has caught my eye that is December six against the Hartford Wolfpack nine two nine nine ladies and gentlemen. This would not be the first time I'd see high scoring like this, but uh, JC died on a cross. Nine goals. Uh, somebody had to have gotten fired from that game. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even the highest goal output. I'm just scrolling down even a little further, and oh. you know, we'll get we'll get to mm-hmm. it. But uh, you know, that was the kind of team. There was a reason why in NHL 10. I'll never forget this. The Bears actually rated higher than a couple of you know. I think it was a pair of the worst NHL teams. 
they were just that good and that highly rated and, you know, able to have that much success, even in spite of anything that Washington could throw at them in terms of the affiliation. You know, Bruce Boudreau famously said at one point during the season that, you know, his Washington Capitals were competing with their farm team in Hershey to see who could stack up the most wins at certain points <laughs> there. Like it just that season just wasn't close for the rest of the league. And, you know, the Hershey Washington affiliation, that's for sure. Good old barbecue, Bruce. The Bears would suffer a loss on December 11th to the Albany Wivawats. And boys and girls, we will get to them later. But this would be their last loss for over a month as they would rip off, I think, 10, 12, win, tw- 12 wins in a row. That included the double-dose smacking of the Manitoba Moose and Corey Schneider as well. And... um the Bears would lose to the Norfolk Admirals to to end their streak on January 13th, but then they were upset, and a little team from Albany came down after winning the night before against Syracuse, came down to Hershey and thought they could pick at the wounds. <laughs> the Bears would go on to win that game 10 to 4. 10, 10, 10. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And that would not be the worst butt whooping I'd see this season. 10 to 4 over the Albany Wivowats. My goodness, Frank Mathers, what a slaughtering. I mean, man, I'm just looking at the score sheet here. The Bears rattled off five goals inside the first period, you know, inside the first 15 minutes, actually, too. Uh, Alexander Giroux with the hat trick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what he does. Let's see. There's three, four five six seven eight players who had goals in that game i believe so drew is the only multi-goal scorer on that night that just goes to show you just how well the bears were were operating at that point i was with you know the big reason you know not the big reason but you know they even did with their backup goaltender third you know third stringer whatever you want to call what jason the casual was that season but, you know, Cash suffered the loss, but, you know, suffered a couple of goals against, I should say. But the Bears, you know, they let Albany have a couple of goals there. It was, oh, yeah. you know, 10 to 1 at one point. You know, they let him have a couple of goals just to, you know, make him feel a little bit better at the end of the things there. And what makes this even better, this was in Albany. This was in Albany. And it, the Times Union Center, as if that couldn't get depressing enough, your your opponent comes in and hangs a double digits on the scoreboard on you. Go to your room and think about what you've done. And that, 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 go ahead. What, I was going to say, one more thing to add onto this one here is the guy the Bears ran out of the building that night who dressed for Albany would be yep. future Hershey Bears goaltender for the 15-16 Calder Cup run, Justin no. Peters, of all oh, things. Oh, we, we will get to him. Wait, wait, there will be more on Albany as we move along. The Bears would roll off another 11-game winning streak at the halfway point of the season at 40. You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 40.9-2. 40 by this point. Unreal. Unreal. That including four straight games where the Bears scored eight goals. Twice against Manitoba at Wilkes-Barre in a game where defense was optional. 8-6 was the final score. And then Albany came back down and just, well, accepted another beating by their chocolate wearing bullies eight to three. So that would mean in two games, the bears outscored scored Albany 18 to seven. Gotta imagine that John Walton is hoarse by this point, calling so many goals, you know, as emphatically as John calls goals, he had to have been hoarse by this point. And, you know, it's just, it puts into perspective really with the two eight goal drubbings of the Manitoba moose, the team, the bears, you know, beat out in five games for the Calder Cup the year before. No slouches no. here. But, you know, like you said, eight goals in four straight games is just unheard of anymore, even to get and six. Even with the talent that's in this league right now, and we've seen some pretty good and dominant teams, it never got this, never got this, this bad. Um, the Bears would have a few other winning streaks, and I remember um, I think their home winning streak was snapped at like 23 or something. And there was a quote in the Patriot News. Now, I remember reading this. Yes, boys and girls, physical newspapers were a thing at one point. And I think Brian Helmer was, was quoted in this. They don't raise banners for winning 23 games at home. Mm. Mm. I love that mentality. I love that's, it. That's why he's still here now, right? I mean, he, yes. he gets it. He gets it in a yep. lot of ways. It was, you know, Troy Mann used to say the same thing, that they don't, you know, they only hang color cup banners here. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. And, you know, I I think a lot of that mentality and, you know, certainly doesn't help to have a pair of Calder Cups under your belt as a bear. But, you know, that sort of thing is why Brian Helmer is still here, why he's so respected and admired around here, honestly. It's just I I love hearing quotes like that by players who just get it. And um, and typically you'd hear something out of that, like the greats in sports, like like Larry Bird hated hit winning, hitting the game-winning shot with like two seconds to go because in his mind, the opponent still got two seconds left. And, um, and Tom Brady, much as I don't like the guy, he loves scoring that last-second touchdown to make sure his opponents have no time to do anything. So, you know, I just I, I love players that have that, lack of better words, that killer's mentality and has their eyes set on the prize as well. So love it when I hear stuff hear stuff like that. Um, the bears, the bears would sort of cool off a little bit as we'd hit the month of February, lots of road trips. And, uh, oh, by the way, they beat, they beat the Bridgeport sound tigers nine to two that (laughs) my gosh, it's like I'm playing on rookie mode in NHL 11. It's unreal. It is absolutely unreal. The types of numbers these guys are putting up. They go on just a few days later to beat Bridgeport again in Bridgeport six to three. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I'm skipping over a lot of Wilkes-Barre games, but they still played Wilkes-Barre a lot back then. 
uh, anyway. And then um, a game I remember being at, at Giant Center, I think I took off for this. It was a St. Patrick's Day game where Albany came back down and um, it was St. Patrick's Day. I think it was a Thursday. Myself and a coworker went and Albany once again gets an absolute shellacking. Eight to two on a road trip, which I think was a game that saw five or six fights. I think by like the sixth goal, Albany just had enough for losing in humiliating fashion yet again to the Bears that year. That was a great game and really beautiful St. Patrick's jerseys they were wearing. Yeah, definitely. I, I want to say it was in the same span of time. And I'm trying to think of who it was. I think it was Worcester. Um mm-hmm that the bears played. I'm tr- I've been scanning up and down the roster to try to find yeah. when these sets of games happen. But I do remember there was a couple of times where a couple of teams really tried to call out the bears and, you know, really try to get under their skin with them. And the bears would just absolutely, you know, take them to task. And, you know, I think there's, yeah. you know, I see a game around that time with Worcester as a seven to two, uh, whooping yep. the bears handed yep. them, where, you know, the Bears just absolutely took their game and threw it back in their face no matter what they said beforehand. So there's a lot of times where the Bears number was called out in addition to these big scores, and the Bears absolutely, you know, uh, you know, it was a speed bag versus a punching bag type of thing. The Bears just absolutely took them out. Yeah, they just had none of it. They just went, oh, yeah, watch this. <laughs> oh, look, it's 4 nothing at the end of the first. Thank you for playing. Um, that just... It showed you how good they were as well. Um, the Bears that year had a, quite a bit of shootouts uh, that year. But um, an interesting side note, the Bears only had, and if I am seeing this correctly, only two over games that ended in overtime. I know that was the era of the four-on-fours, but only two games that ended in overtime. Uh, that, that year, the Bears had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven shootout games. So that's... Uh, nine games out of 80 that went into uh, extra time or extra innings. Pretty darn good. You know what, Richard? I was just thinking about this, and you know, this may jog your memory. I'm not sure what it was. I believe it was the Worcester announcer, if I remember this point. Mm-hmm. He, call, he called out Steve Pinizzato because he was fighting with while well, he was wearing a cage over his helmet. Yeah. And um, the, the radio announcer, I believe it was, I don't remember what his name was, had a lot to say, and he was, you know, kind of throwing some shade at Steve and the Bears. And so when the Bears came back and were drubbing on the the Sharks and Hershey, I do remember the Bears fans turning around and waving at him in the press booth, if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. That's fan. I completely believe it. And um, for all the Bears fans that actually care about stuff like this, the Bears were pulling in ten grand a night easily. Um, now we do know some of those numbers are inflated because they count season ticket people who don't show up. So that still counts out as tickets sold, but, um, the bears just absolutely just people coming in. Not a lot of teams were able to get the, uh, the bears, uh, numbers and the bears were able to, to clinch 60 wins at the Norfolk scope scope at the beginning of April, a six to one win down there in Norfolk. They couldn't get the, uh, they couldn't get to 60 at home but they did have their last home win April 4th in, in Norfolk. And then uh, a quick stop in Syracuse and then a weekend set down there in, uh, in Virginia. I hear it's lovely there that time of year. And the bears would basically split the, 
uh, would uh, split the last two games of the season down there in Norfolk to finish out the season 60, 17 and three, a record we are not going to see again. Oh yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I think is worth appreciating at this point is how different the schedule matrix is compared to what we, you know, see a lot now, you know, obviously the phantoms are up in Adirondack at this point. So the bears are, you know, seeing a little bit of different, you're seeing a lot less orange and black on your schedule as you do nowadays, still a good amount of woke spare, of course, um, I haven't even counted to see how many times. I'm sure that's about on average to what it is now, but lots of, you know, Binghamton, Norfolk, um, you know, Albany, some of these other teams from closer to the area, you know, it makes me nostalgic a little bit for these times in a sense, because, you know, you did have some variety. I mean, you know, truly, is it that much different from what we see now? You know, we're looking through with chocolate covered glasses, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, just a lot of difference there. And, you know, like you said, the Bears clinched 60 wins in a big way over Norfolk at the scope there, just another one of their crowning achievements against the admirals that season. And the admirals with their, uh, their, their beautiful blue battleship jerseys as well. And uh, really good to see that the, um, that, that the bears are able to do it this year, that, that season. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot more variety uh, that that year um, because of the divisions were more spread out. There was only one, uh, one Pennsylvania team at this point. They only played, I think the Adirondack Phantoms like six times, but you also had seven other teams in your division. Binghamton is a lot closer than what it is now. Fans really miss going up there. Syracuse, it's five and a half hours, but it's straight up eight, straight up 81. Uh, Charlotte didn't, didn't exist yet. Um, just a lot of, a lot of things um that are very different between now and today like you said yeah definitely and it's you know it's one of those things where you know the, the bear schedule nowadays features you know sure you get your plenty of your face-offs with the phantoms and the penguins but you know i think there's a little more variety in there than what we tend to appreciate like you said charlotte's wasn't around at this point you know i think you're just maybe swapping some names out here but um you know overall it feels very similar. And like you said, the attendance numbers were fantastic back then. You know, it, it always makes me nostalgic thinking about that because back in the early days of the giant center, you know, I remember they, you know, tried to put games on TV just to get more people interested in hockey and get people into the seats. And then, you know, suddenly the bears hit their winning stride, you know, really after the first Calder cup, I'd say that people started to pack giant center and, you know, it created a much bigger fan base than what we had been seeing at the beginning of those times when the playoffs wins weren't there for sure. Exactly. So now let's head into the fun part of this, ladies and gentlemen, the one that you all came here to say it is time for the 2010 Calder cup playoffs. This, this year, of course, the bears were number one in all the length. And this was the crossover years of the play of the playoffs. So the bears would take on the fifth team in the Atlantic. And that was none other than the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, game one at Giant Center, April 14th as well. And the Bears would end up taking that game in overtime. Andrew Jodry, rest in peace, brother, would get that game winner in overtime. Um, a, a, there was a player on the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. There's a guy by the name of um, uh, Matt Martin, whatever became of him, um, as well. Um Bridgeport got an early 2-0 lead start, but then Alexander Giroux said, hold my beer, got a goal from him. 
Andrew McDonald made it 3-1, but the Bears got too late in the third. Francois Bouchard, Matthew Perot, and Andrew Jodry in overtime. Your goaltenders for this series is Brandon Holtby and Scott Monroe. I do remember Scott Monroe. That's that's an interesting... I'm trying to remember who all the teams he played for other than uh, Bridgeport. Their backup goaltender was Nathan Lawson, I believe. Yeah. Some familiar faces on the on the at least to me and there. My my old friend, and if you're a Flyers fan out there and you're cringing as I'm saying this, Andrew McDonald was on that team. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just uh just a couple of familiar names there. But you know, like you said, Matt Martin, the biggest among them, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. And th- th- this Bridgeport team had some decent future islanders on there too. So not a slouch that the, these Bridgeport Sound Tigers game two would be back at Giant Center um, as well. And again, Bridgeport would get on early. Dustin Kohan with his first of two on the night. But again, Alexander Giroux said, hold my beer. Gets his second and his third of the postseason in this game. Um, but still too, too late until Matthew Perot with a power play goal. Get ready to hear a lot of his name. And the Bears take this one, 3-2 at Giant Center. Michael Neuver, your goaltender. And Nathan Lawson did get time in this game, but then Scott Monroe came in as well. Could be an injury. Who knows? Yeah, and it was it, it is interesting because I know, you know, although the Bears won the games and we were content with that, there was a little concern, if I remember correctly, that the Bears weren't running the sound tigers out of the building you know it was a couple couple of very close games to start off the series at giant center but you know as they say in the business a win is a win and the bears yep. were taking a two nothing series lead on the road you know what more could you ask for honestly survive and advance that's the name of the game survive and advance and you were saying that they that fans were getting concerned that bridgeport wasn't being run out of the barn well we go to harbor yard in game three on a friday or a Saturday or some like, yeah, that was a Saturday there at Harbor Yard. And it's, it's no score, no goal after the first. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. I mean, it, it, it's a tough place to play up there. And then Andrew Gordon, Andrew Gordon, Alexander Giroux, hat trick by Andrew Gordon, Steve Pinizzato, Alexander Giroux, all in the period, six goals in 18 minutes. Andrew Gordon with the hat trick, Gordon with two goals. Um, Scott Monroe did start going 10 for 15 and got yoinked. And then Miko Kuskin got put in. Um, in the third, Bridgeport would get a goal here and there, but Kyle Wilson would get one late. Seven to seven to two the final. Bears up three nothing in the series. Wow. Yeah, you know. Your big boys are your big boys in this mm-hmm. game for sure. I mean you see Andrew Gordon, Alexander Giroux, and Keith Coin all over the score sheet here for all these goals. Obviously, Gordon, much in the way we talked about how the season began, he got a hat trick once again. You know, Gordon was just, you know, prone to having these big games here at times. And the one thing I'd like to draw attention to to appreciate this little run here is that the Bears won... Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Three out of four games to start this series in a span of where the games were played four games in five nights. Yeah. Atrocious scheduling combined with uh, with travel there for sure. So the Bears, you know, we're doing this under a fair amount of uh, of scheduling difficulty. That's oh, for yes. sure. Yeah. The, the, the following game would take place Sunday. So that is a three and three playoff run. Um, and it would catch up with the Bears as... Sean Be- Sean Bevliano, Andrew Gordon, two power play goals. Uh, Robin Figurton, who exactly? Andrew Gordon would get his fourth, and the Bears would go down in game four. Miko Heiskanen, 26 of 27. Brendan Holpe, 24 for 28. Third game in three days on the road. Nobody's going to blame this team for losing in that game. No one. There's no reason to. Yeah, it, it definitely has shades of... Um the game in Bridgeport that ended the bears unbeaten in regulation point streak a couple of seasons ago where it was just unfortunate scheduling up in Bridgeport, three games and three nights, tough travel, all those things combine, you know, at this point three to one series lead will absolutely take a stinker in this one. That's for sure. And on the road, no less, not easy to do. So then after a couple of days rest back at it on April 21st, and the Bears said, all right, paintballers. Um, Carl Alzner would get us on the board. Been on the show as well. Uh, Dylan, um, Zach Miskovic would get another one. Dylan Reese would get a shorthanded, but Kyle Wilson would get his second. 3-1 after one. Alexander Giroux would get a, uh, get a power play goal to start the second. And that's all she wrote. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Bridgeport, as cousin John Walton would say. Four one, four to one the final, and four to one gentleman sweep of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great opening series for the Bears. You know, the thing about the Bears that always, you know, is impressive in this season, as we're going to see here, was their ability to win close games. And, you know, really not let any adversity like this travel, like anything else, you know, really haunt them. They were able to, you know, just focus on getting the next goal, you know, here. Let's see. That's three out of, uh, well, I should say it's, you know, only two wins were by one goal in this instance here. But, you know, there's an overtime win in there, a one goal game, and they're able to, you know, flex their offensive muscles here in a good way. So overall, yeah, can't be disappointed about, a uh, you know, five game series to start off the start of things off here for sure. Indeed. And the bears would indeed move on to the division finals, taking on the team that was right below them by 28 points in the standings, the Albany Wivowats who are staring relocation in the face boys and girls, because next season they would be moved down to Charlotte to become the team. We now known as the Charlotte checkers. And by the way, those Albany River Rats jerseys are criminally underrated on how beautiful they are. Absolutely gorgeous. And um, this would be a trying series for the Bears. Game one at Giant Center and Albany 
match the Blair match the players. What am I saying? Match the Bears. Andrew Gordon getting on the board early, but Dryson Bowman, who Dryson Bowman would tie it. Andrew Gordon would answer again a power play goal, his sixth of the playoffs. But Jerome Sampson, get ready for that name, would tie it as retie the game. Um, Albany would take a lead with another Jerome Sampson goal early in the third. But Keith Coyne would tie it midway through the third. And we'd go into overtime. And Kyle Wilson, high slot, who's left him all alone? Wide fire scores! And that's it! As Kyle Wilson ends the game 10-41 in overtime, Kyle Wilson, 4-3, Bears win it. My goodness, what a game. Oh, man, there's some great names on this roster for them from Mm -hmm. Albany here as well. Justin Peters took the loss, of course, but our old friend, you know, he's your friend and he's my friend, Justin Pogge, was backing up that night. Oh, my God. Zach Boychuk was there as well. Um, Chris Terry was a youngster then. Oscar Osla jumped to the dark side in this series here as well. I forgot about that, actually. And regretting his life decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a time for Keith Coyne to finally, you know, score a goal instead of setting everybody up there. It was his first of the of um, first of the playoffs was what tied the game at three there, I believe, to send it to overtime. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, good to see um, a little bit of a bottom six guys. Kyle Wilson, I know hard to say that he is, but, you know, good to see some other guys getting in. Game two, back at Giant, back at Giant Center once again, as, you know, who's the first fourth liner to score for the Bears in the playoffs? A guy by the name of Ashton Rome scored. You want to talk about depth scoring? There you go. But again, Albany would answer with Dryson Bowman would tie the game. Alexander Giroux gets one in for his seventh of the postseason. But Zach Delpy would answer with a power play goal as well. Nick Dodge would give the checker, the checkers, what am I saying? The Albany, Albany River Rats the lead early in the third. And oh no, oh no. Can the Bears answer? Can they can they take this game? I mean, they're behind early in the third period. There's no way they could. Oh no, here comes Andrew Gordon and Alexander Giroux. Andrew Gordon, power play goal. Giroux, power play goal. Andrew Gordon, power play goal. And Steve Pinizzato with an empty netter. 6-3. Why even doubt? My goodness. It's wild to see some of these names on here that have been associated with the Albany-Charlotte you know, branding for so long. Zach Dalpe getting a goal yep. here. He continues to be a pain in the neck to this day. He must have been a youngster back then. Um, but like you said, some of the big, big guys have been big guys, you know, Ashton Rome getting his uh, his name on the board there with an assist from Kyle Wilson. Kyle Wilson had his fair share of clutch moments as a bear. Um, one of him, his goals in double overtime in 2007 always uh, stands out to me during the Bears playoff run that season. But, you know, a lot of special teams are being played in this series, too. I'm noticing a lot of power plays. Bears scored three times in this game here to, uh, you know, really lay the boom down on on the river rats here in this series. But um, yeah, a lot of special teams play that the bears excelled at here. And they, you know, their power play was often their saving grace here. A lot of times. It's, it's amazing that just how much of a scoring machine this bears team team is. And we go due North. We go to the tuck 
April 27th. And um, Albany, they, they don't want to turn out the lights. Zach Delpy, Oscar Osola, 2-0 after one. Um, dry, and Ashton Rome would help the Bears get back on the board again, but Drysden Bowman, his third of the playoffs to make it 3-1. And could this be it? Another road loss for the Bears? They've won three games in a row, but they've all been at home. There's no way they can go on the road. Oh, wait, it's Andrew Gordon and, and with the power, power play goal. His and then our former former LNS, Chris Bork, finally gets on the board here in the playoffs. He gets one at 1541, and we have a tie game here. But, Alban, but Albany says, nope, Zach Delpy ties it, gives him the lead. Chris Bork ties it. Mike Angelitis. Oh my gosh, there's a name. Gives Albany the lead, and they take a lead late, but Alexander Giroux with a right circle snipe sends it into overtime for the Bears with Albany up at 3-1 at this point. And we go to go to overtime. The Bears get a rush up nice. It's a three-on-two. Chris Bork drops it off for Jay Beagle. Winds, fire, scores! That's it! Jay Beagle has ended the game in... Albany Bears are up three nothing on the series. And fun fact, I was in Hershey watching WWE live when this game was going down. That's so, awesome. That's Bears, awesome. Bears win it six to five. The final um, that was Justin Peters thirty four for thirty nine. Michael Neuber seventeen for twenty one on this one. Um, <laughs> This is not an e- not an easy squad the Bears are taking on. Yeah, I do think that the four nothing sweep is we're going to get to here in a moment is a little deceptive for these guys. You know, bit you know disrespectful to the amount of talent on this team here in Albany. So I mean, you know, four nothing. You know, looking back at it now after dealing with Charlotte for how many years now, it kind of feels nice to see it in this way. But you know, this is a talented team, and you know, it was really probably the start of things to come for Charlotte as uh, we see later down the road that we're not really, you know, here to talk about here today, of course, but um, you know, it was, it was a sign that, you know, that Charlotte's farm system was, you know, Charlotte, I should say Carolina's farm system was, yeah. you know, really humming along at this point. That's for sure. It was, they were no slouches. Oh yeah. Um, the, the hurricanes did have a, a pretty darn good farm club heading into uh, this time. And um, you know, this, you know, the, the, the river rats are playing for their lives. They, they know, they know what's coming. They know what's coming if they can't close the deal. So game, game four in Albany, can the bears pull off this, this sweep and early on um, puck goes behind the net. Brand uh, Michael Neuver plays it, throws it to number 12, but that's number 12 for Charlotte and Jerome Sampson into the empty net. Noivy, what are you doing? What are you doing? That, Chris, mm, that oh was my a, goodness. That was a memorable, memorable uh, mistake there for sure. I just, definitely remember that time. Just completely gaffed. Chris Terry on a power play goal. Chris Bork would end up getting one back, but it's 2-1 heading into the second. Chris Bork would get another power play goal for his second of the game to tie the game. But Zach boy, Chuck would give the lead yet again on a wicked wrister that just goes past 
Neuver's blocker. He's just he's getting not a lot of help in front of him. And then Jerome Sampson on a really on a really good zone time that was with the River Rats, who just kept it in the zone and just was able to bank the puck home. And it's three two, and it's looking like here we go again. The Bears are going to lose game four on the road. Um, Alexander Giroux would get a goal late uh, with 3.30 to go on the power play. And John Walton on the radio call says, and the demons are starting to creep in here in Albany. It's four, it's four to three. So the Bears pulled Neuver. Less than two minutes to go. Face off in their zone. Goes back out. To the point, long wrister by Carlson, deflected by Perot, and Peters looks like he got it. Wait, what's that behind him? It's the puck, and it's in! And they tied it! The Bears tie it in Albany with a flurry at the end. Two goals in the final three minutes to send it to overtime. And then 2.23 in overtime as... A puck comes across the goal mouth, finds Matthew Perot, backdoor play. He shoots, he scores, and that's it. The comeback's complete. The Bears win. They did it. 5-4, Bears win it. Goodbye, River Rats. 5-4 final. Matthew Perot getting the final two goals of the game for his fourth of the playoffs. Alexander Giroux gets his 10th of the playoffs. And, whew, Oh my goodness, what a game. Three out, of, three out of four in overtime, too. I mean, that's, you know, again, we talk about clutch factor, talk about, you know, being able to control one goal games. And this one, especially coming back from down four to two, late goal to tie it, overtime mm-hmm. winner. I mean, the, again, it just goes to show you, even the top teams, and, you know, we kind of saw it with Washington that's around the same time as this was going on. Was it, you know, they were equally seemingly invincible as the Bears were. But, you know, they faltered and they lost to the Montreal Canadiens. The eighth-seeded Habs, you know, upset the Capitals. So, you know, as good as you can possibly be, you have to be able to win one-goal games and show that you can, you know, not only score the teams out of the building, as, you know, the Bears did here with, you know, putting up at least four goals or more, more than four goals in four games, but, you know, being able to – keep the puck out of your net and control the games here. And they proved that I think by defeating a pretty underrated Albany team. And, you know, much like we said, with the phantoms moving out of Philadelphia the year before the bears kind of, you know, ran Albany down to Charlotte after this. Yep. Pack the bags and make sure somebody turns out the lights on the way out. And so many people were crushed there in Albany, the dozens and dozens of people that, that showed up. If you're able to find it on YouTube, assuming YouTube hasn't scrubbed the video off of it, Go look up those games. They are on there, and you'd be amazed on how empty the Times Union Center is. It's kind of sad. So we go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, we're in early May, everyone, as, as it's the Bears versus the Manchester Monarchs, farm club of your Los Angeles Kings. And the Bears, they get on the board early here in Game 1 with Sean Collins, whipping boy, punching boy of the Bears – faithful 16 seconds into the series 16 what fatigue what's that just so everyone knows the last game the bears played with albany was i think it was april 27th and the bears played again on may 12th so a well-deserved and needed rest for the boys yeah and that's another thing that's also fascinating to 
uh, watch out in this series was scheduling again, three games and four nights for the first three games. And then, you know, really the series was played out, you know, over the span of six days, really, you know, again, it's still April by the time the bears finish the sweep of the river rats here, got a much deserved break, you know, Mm -hmm. into the first almost two weeks of May. And I mean, you look at the way the playoffs were played this season in Hershey, you know, it was we were playing that play in round around the same time that this series came in came to a yeah. close here. So it's just, you know, goes to show you number one, how early the season ended back then, and number two, you know, just how wonky and crazy the scheduling was. Indeed. Um the bear and then the Bears will get another one on the gourd. Andrew Gordon, another power play goal out of him for his tenth of the playoffs. And then Steve Pinizzato, our boy, we love him. El Baldo, I mean that lovingly. Uh, three nothing early in the second, um, and then Carl Alsner, friend of the podcast, makes it four nothing, and we're done here. We're done. Um, Andrade licked uh, on, licked on, locked on off. Whatever, something. I've already butchered and forgotten his name. Would get one on the board, and Gabe Gautier would make it 4-2 Manchester to make it sound interesting, but um, this was pretty much a route. Your goaltenders were Michael Neuver and Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, absolutely. Like like you said, I'm going up and down the lineup, and I'm seeing a lot of guys who go on to play for, you know, become big factors in the, you know, LA Kings organization here. You know, Bernier, uh, Jake Muzzin, you know, Kyle Clifford, the names go on and on oh, yeah. here, really. But, you know, again, a lot of teams that weren't slouches, they weren't pushovers. You know, the Bears, you know, didn't go the full seven with anybody in this particular playoff year en route to the Calder Cup, which, you know, is a nice break for all of our all of our sanity's sake, that's for sure. But, um, you know, just looking at it, you know, there's a lot of guys where it's just, you know, they, you know, when people say minor league hockey doesn't matter to you, you know, they need to check themselves because it's it it's far from it. It's so important, you know. So many of these guys. I mean, uh, I mean, if I'm not mistaken here on their lineup, you know, it was a guy that scored the Stanley Cup winning goal for LA a couple of years later. Yep. You know, it's uh, yeah. Alec Martinez was with them. Yeah, that that's where I remembered him from. I remembered him from the, the series. So game two, May fifteenth, Giant Center. Yours truly. Up into up into twenty six, you could touch the ceiling. I was up there, and I remember remember this game. You want a game that sold me on Bears hockey? This game did it. As Chris Bork would end up scoring after an icing call, just a pass over to him, grip it and rip it, gets it in the goal to make it one nothing, and a great call by John Walton going, Chris Bork makes him pay. Ah, great stuff out of John John Walton. But Gabe Gautier would get the next two goals to make it two one, and uh. Uh oh, this Manchester team is starting to buckle things down defensively. Looks like we're not going to be able to hang six or seven goals on this on this team. So how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to take it to a team that's playing well defensively and we're doing well against them? And here comes Steve Pinizzato on a rush and gets a backdoor goal on Jonathan Bernier, and it's tied at two, and we are going to overtime with this game. And I can tell you this, I have not, I have not felt tension in the building full of 10,000 full of people, but oh my gosh, it was there. 
every rush in the in the Bears attack zone sounded like a 747 taking off as the Bears were waiting. But a nice little steal it's at mid-ice by Andrew Gordon. It was a two-on-one with Bork. Gordon waits, 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 just waits the defender out. Throw it over to Bork. Winds fire, scores! That's it! Chris Bork has ended the game. Bernier's trying to argue that the net was off, but nope. It was in in time. Bears win it. Three to two the final. And we're going to New Hampshire up to two nothing. Wow. Yeah, I, I was actually in the building for that one. I can tell you that much. I remember, you know, us squeezing in at the last couple of seconds in a, you know, seats right behind the the net the Bears shot at twice, you know, pretty much up to the top there. It was it was hard to get tickets back in those days. I definitely remember that much. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, that happened on the far side. I I just remember, you know, all those games were so, you know, if I remember correctly here, this one was uh, more than a sellout, you know, 10-7. Oh yeah, um, at Giant Center for that game, and you know it was just one of those games where, like, you know, that that goal was so memorable. Bork blew the roof off of that. The goaltender was trying to argue that the net had come off its moorings prior to the goal. The referee wasn't having it. Uh, a little bit before the times where we would review almost anything and everything, even at the AHL level. Goal stood. Bears take a two nothing lead up to New Hampshire to go hang out with uh, with Chris Bork's family there for a little while between games. All the way up there, and for those, uh, that's Manchester, New Hampshire, and folks, that is a seven and a half hour slog through the New England countryside. Um, I didn't start my road trip es- escapades until Manchester got out, but my crew has has told me about those trips up to Manchester, and they are a slog. But but I hear New Hampshire is rather lovely this time of year. So why not? Let's go up there. May 17th. 17th, the Bears go up there, and Alexander Giroux gets his 11th of the postseason power play goal. All right, we get one on the road. We're going to get this bad boy. And Matthew Perot gets one as well. 2 nothing. He's okay, guys. We got this. We're going to be fine. Uh, John Zeller gets a goal. Who? I. Uh, and then, say it with me, everyone. Gabe Gautier scores to tie the game. Okay, we've gone on to overtime. We're going to be fine. Here comes Manchester. Down in. Long shot deflected. Scores. That's it. The winning streak's over. At at six. Justin Asvedio. 2.43. Manchester wins and, snack, and snaps a uh, six-game winning streak by the Bears. Uh, Manchester wins it. Three to two in overtime, and um, okay, we've got something in a uh, we we got something in um in uh, New Hampshire now. Fittingly, it would be the only time in this playoff that the Bears would lose a game in overtime, which uh, which makes it equally remarkable that the Bears were able to pull off you know as much as they did, and that's over a span of let's see, that's at least. Six, seven, eight, nine overtime games in the playoffs. Bears only lost one of them, which is incredibly yeah, impressive. Very much so. And uh, so, okay. Uh, then May 18th. Hey, all right. I, I, I'd like a nice little, you know, nice little gift for myself on this day. And um, uh, Dwight King scores for Manchester. And um, uh, 
That's it. That's all we got. Manchester wins one nothing. And equally Hershey, rare. Hershey, can I speak to your manager? Uh, um, excuse me, excuse me. Um, um, this that this isn't right. Um, um, there's not supposed to be a zero next to the Hershey Bears name here in this playoffs. I I, I want this game stri- stricken from the from the records, Your Honor. Yeah, I was about to say one of the few games where the Bears were not only, you know reduced in goals as they were the game prior, but held off the board altogether. Another unique accomplishment by a Hershey opponent in these playoffs is holding the Bears off the board. And a little bit of doubt seeking in. You know, the Bears, uh, you know, were up two games to none. Now it's even at two games. You know, the dreaded 2-3-2. At least the Bears had the back half of the series at home if they needed it. But, you know, scary times on the road there. A pair of games and a pair of weird days, a Monday and Tuesday game. Go awry mm-hmm. for Hershey. It was very unusual. No. no. And so um, this was this was a Thursday night. This was Thursday. Like you said, it was a Monday, Tuesday in Man- in Manchester. So this was a Thursday night in New Hampshire. By gum, I just got paid, and we're going to go down to a Gene and Austin store and general store. And um, so, all right, let's get back on track. Uh, first period, no scoring. Second period, no scoring. Um, okay, so the goaltenders have settled down in this series, and maybe this Jonathan Bernier guy is really living up to his billing. And um, Bud Holloway would get his seventh as Manchester would go up. Oh, God, here we go. But um, Kyle Wilson, the the, straw, the, the, the drought's ended. A, si- a six-period goalless streak has been s- snapped. As Kyle Wilson gets one past Bernier, but Jake Muzzin would get one late. And yes, that that Jake Muzzin, future LA King Jake Muzzin scores at at uh two thirty-four. I'm like, oh God, here we go. They're gonna lose it. All right, they pull Newby. It's not gonna do anything. Bork Rister from the circles. He scores! Oh my goodness! Chris Bork, his seventh. Chris Bork, his seventh. And we go to overtime, and the Bears are starting to pour it on a bit there in Manchester. I think some of the swag's been come back. And then Francois Bouchard from the faceoff dot. He shoots, he scores! Yes! And the winning ways are back in Hershey. Happy days are here again, Muggle, as JBL would say. Bears win it 3-2 to two the final, and we're taking a 3-2 lead back home as we got one there in New Hampshire. Yeah, an absolute gut check game for the Bears here with Chris Bork getting that late goal six on five. You know, it's the kind of stuff you dream about, honestly. You know, it's again such an important game for the Bears to win, but this is how they, you know, got this far is that they were able to pull off the clutch situations. Francois Bouchard, uh, you know, probably first of a couple big goals he'd go on to score here as the playoffs went on. Definitely a guy who, you know, didn't have a ton of points, but he had a lot of very important and memorable points too, as I remember. And, you know, Chris Bork, here he is kind of creeping up into the, uh, you know, upper echelon of um, scores for the Bears amongst their roster there with the big guys uh, this playoff year. Just, uh, you know, another reason that the Bears had so much success is that they had a lot of guys. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you have this incredibly clutch guy in Chris Bork. Oh, yeah. And um, there are a couple of uh, guys who were scoring early who've been held off the board. So uh, he thinks Manchester know who know who's to target with the Bears now. But we head back to Giant Center, May 22nd, 
Um, unfortunately, I was not able to get this one. Sad for me. Um, but but um, Manchester would get on the board first as John Zeller would get a rebound that Neuber just left, a big fat rebound to him with 17 seconds left in the period to get Manchester on the board, one nothing. Then Joe Pascula, late in the second, would get another one on Neuver, and here comes Manchester yet again. Those pesky monarchs, just they're, they're not going to go away quietly. And um, the Bears try to pour it on in the third, and Alexander Giroux would get his 12th off of a rebound in front of Bernier. Giant center hums to life. John Walton's got a pep in his step, and it's, 2-1. Can the Bears pull this off? The Bears are pressing late in the game. Six minutes to go. Go Throws across to Patrick McNeil. Wrister on the way. Scores! Patrick McNeil with a long wrister. He got it. His first defensive scoring out of the Bears. And we're tied. We are actually tied. And, I, and I'm not doing this justice. Go listen to John Walton's call on that Patrick McNeil goal. Somebody get that man some hot tea and lemon. And the Bears would go into overtime and in a goal that would be replicated almost five years later by Carter Camper. um, I think it's Bouchard takes a puck down beneath the goal line, looks out in front for a Boyd Kane creeping in, comes in with a quick shot. He scores! Boyd Kane has ended the game and ends the series, and the Bears are going back to the Carter Cup Finals. Good morning, good afternoon, man, and good night, Manchester. Bears win the game 3-2 the final and win the series four games to two. And what a game at Giant Center against a really talented Monarchs team. And one fun fact about that goal that Boyd Kane scored, that was the only goal he scored that entire playoff run is an overtime series winning goal. One of seven points yep. he had there in that series, which is just incredible after, you know, being on both sides and you know a leader on both sides of the rivalry between Hershey and Lehigh, or I should say Philadelphia at the time. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, just one of those absolute guys you love to have in your corner, such a role player, such a, um, you know, valuable uh, commodity to have on your team during these types of playoff runs comes in absolutely clutch there. Uh, seems, seemed to surprise everybody in the building, honestly, when that, that puck went in there. You know, just one of those incredibly memorable uh, moments, like you said, Carter Camper-esque um, in how the, you know, how clutch those performances were for sure. Yep, and the Bears would would go on um, to the Carter Cup Finals. And what it looked like at first would be a showdown with their old rival and the Hamilton Bulldogs with players on that team such as David Desjardins, Sean Bell, um, and some guy on uh, Ryan White, uh, Mike Glumek, and some rookie there for um, Hamilton guy by the name of Matt Max Pacioretty, you know, I don't think he'll amount to anything. Um, but we're upset by the upstart Texas stars. So we are staring down Hershey versus Texas. There's a combination you don't see every day, but, um, the bears, um, get the first goal of the series as Francois Bouchard. It's Francois gets the bears on the board and all right, we got this. We're fine. We're cool. And uh, Greg Rallo ties it. Okay. 
Okay, okay, it's fine. It's fine. We can get third period goals. We're fine. Scott McCluick would get a goal to make it 2-1. Okay, okay, the Bears have a hot power play. We scored clutch goals before. I mean, this goalie for Texas, Matt Climey, who's that? We, we faced down Jonathan Bernier. This Texas team's nothing. We're going to get something. We lose game one. 2-1. Yeah. So, um, yeah, considering there was over um, a week in between these two series, uh, Bears fall in game one to the Texas Stars in um, kind of a shocker. Yeah, and let's be real here for a second. I mean, I was up to that point. That was, and I'm just going back to make sure I'm doing my math correctly, the first time all playoff year long the Bears had even lost at home. In regulation. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, you know, by such a tight score, you know, I will say that the Stars really set, you know, set Hershey back a good ways. You know, made, you know, had that part of the arc for a championship team where, you know, you have that moment of doubt there, followed by a moment of, uh, of you know, payback and comeback here. So, you know, Texas really gave them all they could handle in these first couple of games, for sure. Okay, so, all right. That was a bit of a rough way to start the series, but we'll be fine. Game two, back at Giants Center. I think this was a Saturday when this when this happened, I think. Um, and so, um, the Bears go down early. Aaron Goggin, Gagan, Gagon, Gag, and um, Gag, not going to hear from him again. Um, but the Bears answer, Steve Pinizzato with a shorthanded goal, bringing back his 08-09 form, um, a guy you do not want to leave alone on the power play um, as well. But Garrett Stafford for the Texas Stars in the third puts the Stars back up. Francois Bouchard answers. Matthew Bodine, beginning of the third. And Andrew Gort, finally a, a part of the Chocolate Trinity scores for his 11th. And it's 3-3 late. And all right, tight, close playoff game. We're going to be okay. We, we we put in clutch goals before. And then Travis Morin with 46 seconds left in the game. Gives Texas the lead. And the Bears get nothing. Texas wins 4-3. And the Bears are down 2-0 in a series. Uh, oh, this was an absolute uh, gut-wrenching loss for this team. And you want to talk about um, morale being low. It wasn't pretty in Hershey. Yeah, I remember being in the building for this game here specifically. Uh, it was hard to get tickets back then when you're not a season ticket holder, believe it or not. So it was definitely hard to get out. I said about where where my buddy Brian John, friend of the friend of my show, you know, the show of, you know, regular on the bears contributing stuff there he's listening i've i was sitting then about where he sits now over on the side they defend that twice and that last goal there was just an absolute gut punch um you know it, it seemed it was one of those back and forth games that you know the bears have won so many times up to this point yeah. and they just did you know they found a way to lose it texas you know give them a lot of credit they took hershey's clutch ability and turned it on its head and you know, took it right back to them on home ice, no less. Now you're looking at, again, the dreaded 2-3-2, where they now have to go to Texas for three games. It was a sincerely tall order going into that set of three games on the road. 
no Giroux, no Bork, one goal out of Gordon. And um, even though some others are stepping up, um, yeah. So we go to that following Monday in Texas, and I'm at work at FedEx Ground listening in on a small radio that's barely getting through all the warehouse chatter. And, um, and just Texas would get a power play goal. Their power play was really lethal on this team. Just an extremely talented power play. They had this guy on this team by the name of uh, Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben, I think he turned out rather well with this Texas team. Um, but Michael Andrew Hutchinson gets on the board. But Kyle Wilson answers. Kyle Wilson, his fifth. All right. Cool. All right. And the Bears uh, get a nice power play out of it. And, uh, and they duck, duck the puck down. Um, you know, Neuver collects it, slings it, and whiffs on it. Here comes a Texas star, collects the puck, and they score. Come on, newbie. Come on. A complete gaff by Neuver, and the goalie is dead on the ice. 2-1. Raymond, and then Raymond... Shawanda, Raymond Shawanda, want to hear anything out of him. And it's 3-1 Texas. 3-1. And, Corey, this was, according to John Walton and a few others, this was the period where Brian Helmer took all the boys into the locker room, threw out French and the boys, threw him out of the locker room and says, who wants to go out and win a GD Calder Cup? And um, you, you needed somebody like that at this point. This was an a, a low. And I'm driving home from, from FedEx Ground at around 8.30. And I'm listening on the radio. And the Bears get a power play after I get some dinner at Wendy's. Don't judge me. And I remember yelling in my car, when they get like their second power play and do nothing, I'm yelling at my radio, do something. It's like that scene out of Spaceballs. Do something, do something, do something. It's like that. And finally, Kyle Wilson heard the prayers of the Bears faithful, gets a goal. And a minute later, Matthew Perot gets his six. And then early in the third, Andrew Gordon, Gets his. He's back. Matthew Perot, his seventh. Andrew Gordon late yet again, just after a power play expires. And the Bears, there it is. There it is. Five straight goals by the chocolate and white. And Bears take game three in Texas. And my goodness, that was it. That was the turning point. Absolutely stressful is right. Because, you know, again, like you said, if it wasn't for that closed door meeting that, you know, Brian Helmer had where, you know, he got the boys and got them together and, you know, turned the ship around. But, you know, the Bears, they just had a way like, you know, that, that was the kick in the pants they needed. That was essentially the turnaround for the entire series. You know, you go from staring down a, a you know, three nothing series deficit that's, in my opinion, insurmountable, perhaps not for these guys, but, you know, um, would be very hard to overcome here. And they turn it around and turn it into their latest crowning achievement with a six to three win, you know, makes you question why we're even, we were ever even worried at certain points there uh, with an emphatic win like that. <laughs> and, you know, like you said, the, 
the big boys came back, you know, Andrew Gordon with a pair of goals, Matthew Perot continued to be just absolute money in the finals. And, you know, especially as the later, you know, portions of this series went on. Um, yeah. I mean, what more can you say about it? It was, it was fantastic, you know, absolute uh, faith restorer for uh, bears nation as it were. So, you know, we're right back in it. Definitely. So we go to that Wednesday, we go back to Cedar park, Texas to where somebody actually had um, film of the warm up of this going on in Texas. And the only reason I remember this is because there was a song playing during warmups. Um, Save yourself by stabbing westward. And if you know your 2000s, you know, out there, rock metal out there, then you know what I'm talking about. For all, you know, honk your horns or raise your hands if you know the song I'm talking about. But random fact, let's go back back there. And um, the Bears would get back on the board again as Keith Coin and the Bears power play finally gets back at it again as Keith Coin gets a goal. But Greg Rallo is able to get one as well. Um, Partro Lindgrind would get another power play goal for Texas, a team that so far has gone five for eight on their power play in this series. Wow. But then Jay Beagle, yet again, you know, beloved here in Hershey and Washington, would tie the game for the Bears and then a late power play for the Bears. And wouldn't you know it, the future, Art Ross always seems to be in the discussion. John Carlson, Captain America. And that means, in the words of Ross Twiddle, it's shot o'clock, everyone! (laughs) To give the Bears the lead. And then, finally, a power play, empty netter, Alexander Giroux. Where the hell have you been? For his 13th of the playoffs, Bears win it and tie the series 4-2, series tie to 2. What? That was a, I I remember those games because of the, you know, the telecast and ABC 27 at the time. And, you know, I'm just trying to grasp some of the highlights here on, uh, from the full game broadcast back when we were stuck inside. And that was all we had time to be able to do is re revisit some of these goals. And John Carlson sneaking in from the point down to the top of the crease for the tip in goal. There was an absolute beauty. Mm. Um, And I'm glad I'm not the only one that remembers the Captain America nickname he, oh, he yes. earned coming into that season there too. And mm-hmm. he joined the Bears out of out of uh, you know some heroics there with Team USA there for sure. Oh yeah. And you know just not, again it, it, the thing that always amazes me about that final series is just you know again the Bears overcome you know they lose the lead and they get you know they go down two to one. And it's looking kind of iffy. And then you know just a clutch goal, Jay Beagle second of the playoffs ties it at two and then you know carlson's first you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, just another crowning achievement for these guys you know it, it's just one of those things you, you saw it with um even in the playoffs this past season with with uh chicago your big boys had to be your big boys and they they step up and win you games but it's really getting goals up and down your lineup that really yeah propels you here and you know the bears got all that and more and another just absolute you know, mind-boggling in some ways, resilient win in uh, in Game Four to tie the series at two. I know not a lot of Bears and Caps fans are going to like me saying this, but this just proves your point. 
The later you go into the playoffs, the more depth scoring is absolutely needed because we are hearing less of Gordon, Acoin, and Giroux. And we're starting to hear guys like Francois Bouchard, Matthew Perot stepping up as well. And um, again, I know Caps fans aren't going to like hearing this, but I don't care. It's my stupid podcast. Who scored the two goals to get the there to get Crosby his first cup? It wasn't Malkin. It wasn't Latang. It was Matt Cook. It was Matt freaking Cook. And I'm sure even even for you, Cor- for Corey, the probably the depth the Flyers had to get as far as they did. You need guys up and down your lineup once you get that late into the season. So we go to a Friday night down in Texas. Boy, does that got a story written all over it. And this was a watch party at Giant Center. I should know I was there. It started at around 8.05. Boss let me leave a little bit little bit early because it was a Friday and we didn't have a lot of work. And so I'm driving down 81. I'm driving down 83 to get to Hershey. And um, the Texas Stars go on another power play. There are some good news. And say it with me, everyone. Texas scores on the power play. Aaron Gagan, his eighth. And... Nothing much out of either team. The goalies are playing good. The two teams are playing rather well. And here comes Francois Bouchard down the side. Uh, after a power play is expired, just comes in, wrists it, and he scores. Gets one pass, Matt Climey. And then the game slows down. The game just, just grinds. Hard-hitting, shot-blocking. Greg Amadio going down the tunnel after taking a puck to the face and bleeding. This is, you, you want to, to quote the name of this podcast, you want a grit and bear a type game. My goodness, was this it? Bears wanted to take a 3-2 back to Hershey. Texas wanted a game at home. There was going to be a game in Hershey, but it just depended on who had the advantage. We went to overtime. And even though there was only like 250 people at Giant Center, you could feel it. You won them to win. The Bears had a bit of a flurry late. A sliding pass over Giroux. Put the shot, partially blocked, and put up in the air in front of Climby. Giroux grabs it, throws it down on the ice, throws it five hole, and he scores! He scores! Alexander Giroux! He, of only two people who knew it went in, him and Gordon behind the net, skates around everyone, kneeling slide, Thank you, Texas. I love you. There's a guy giving him the twin bird salute. Love you as well. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Texas. Finally, the overtime goal comes back by the guy who's been awfully silent, Alexander Giroux, in overtime. Pack up the bus and get on the plane. We got to go. Bears win it. My goodness. Yeah, absolutely iconic of a goal for Bears history there. I, you know, it's one of those things I remember. I don't think I was at the watch party because, again, I was in high school still. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even have my driver's license yet at this point. <laughs> so, if you, you better believe if I had a driver's license, I would have been there. But, uh, watching on TV at home, um, you know, it was just one of those things you stayed up late for it. You were just oh, yeah. like, please, you know, fingers were just crossed and, you know, Drew, you basically, you know, quoted um, John Walton's call, which, I, you know, I'm sure yeah. you and I both have memorized forward to backwards. Pretty much. Picks the puck up out of the air, slams it down, and just slides it between the goalie's pads. You know, the slide, you just don't see that anymore with, you know, guy, you know, Giroux just sliding down on his knees the whole way mm-hmm. into the boards there. But the celebration, I mean, you just, you just can't make it up. It's just, it's 
too incredible. And that's just what is so special about this season is that they delivered these big moments like this. And like, you know, we just haven't seen anything like it all that much since then. It's just, it's incredible to go back and relive in some ways here, you know, the most clutch of moments and, you know, your big guys had to be your big guys. And Drew was absolutely the big guy. Like you said, it was a bit of a quiet final series from him, but you know, it's not about how often you score, but when you score. And we'll, we will take that. I'll take that big goal any day of the week, honestly. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Great stuff. Um, you know, that that kneeling montage put Giroux, one of his many highlights in Bears montages for the rest of his life. So, um, so we go to Monday, June 14th. As 11,129 stuffed themselves into Giant Center. And um, the Bears get an early power, get a power play midway through through the first. And um, uh, just John Carlson collects the puck, winds, fires, and scores! So you know what that means? It's John o'clock yet again, everyone! <laughs> Two-step, two-step, little two-step in the playoffs for him. Second goal of his playoff run for him. Carl Alsner would get a goal after an Aaron centering pass actually missed Francois Bouchard on a rush. And Alsner put it home for 2 nothing. We're feeling good. It's nice. Everyone's fun. Everyone's having a good time. Still got to pay full price for beer, but we're having a good time. But, you know, you can't keep your guard down. And then um, the Bears get another rush going. Patrick McNeil joins Francois Bouchard on a rush shot. Perfect rebound placing by McNeil. Collects the rebound. 3-0 Hershey. Yes! And we head into the third. We want to feel good about this. It's right there. We're 20 minutes away from, from the Silver Chalice. We're 20 minutes away. And my buddy, Jesse's like, I'm not celebrating yet. I'm not. These guys could come back. They do have the firepower to pull this off. And then... Patrick McNeil with five minutes and change to go a long wrister after a nice pass from Helmer gets it past climbing that gets it past Brett Cron. Who's looking into the air going, why am I here for nothing? Hershey, everybody's going nuts. And the final minute counts down. And as John Walton said, it sounds like the roof is going to come off. I was not able to go to this game because of work reasons, but another another type where the boss let me go home and I drove home and I watched it on the ABC sister channels and I was able to see the end of it. And that was it. They took it behind, Helmer took it behind the net. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Texas. Bears win the series and their 11th Calder Cup Michael Norbear with a 22-save shutout, and that's the end of the game. That's it. Bears win it. History made, and some might argue, the last great moment at Giant Center for the better part of the decade. Well, I definitely argue against that one, but yeah, but, but it, yeah, it, it's one of those things where the Bears just progressively got better as this series went on. After a couple of you know definite downers at Giant Center. You know, the Bears allowed progressively into a shutout in the final game, no less, which to me was about as perfect of a game as you can ask for. The Bears really found their mojo at Giant Center in a big way after being blanked in uh, the pair of the preceding games. But, you know, it was one of those games where if you felt good about it the whole way, the crowd was there. It was 
one of the more memorable crowd games I think I can think of since, you know, the Portland series in 06 in game seven there just had that incredible energy that bounced to it. It's stuff you, you know, you and I look back at it as if it was yesterday, but it's been a long time since we've been really quite packed to that point and just had a really good time, you know, in a final series, the middle of June, like that was, it was just a lot of fun at a hockey rink. You did have that creeping kind of anxiety in the back of your head and there at three, nothing even, but the Patrick McNeil goal just really just absolutely put it away. And I'm glad I'm not the only one who was not, you know, again, I was in high school. I would have been there if I could have been, yeah. um, was not able to attend this game either. So I'm glad I'm not the only one at this point. So, um, you know, just nothing more you can say about it. Four goals from defensemen. You yeah, know, you just absolutely find a way to to make this Calder Cup win come about. Um, you know, just absolute great effort from the boys. And, you know, we got to see the Calder Cup lifted at home for the first time in decades to that point. Yeah. So, you know, just a lot of special things just getting ticked off the box. You know, uh, running through these guys and four ga- four or five games would have been nice, but it was a little extra special to win it at home, I think, just to, you know, if you're going to say this is the end of this era at the Giant Center, which, you know, I would argue that the playoffs the following year was really where it started to, you know, yeah. signal the end, really, in a sense. But, you know, going out with a bang is definitely, uh, you know, the absolute way to describe how this era of the Bears came to a close. An absolute surreal scene there at Giant Center with he- with sticks, gloves, everything strewn all over the place. Everybody going nuts, high fives, slapping on backs, um, hugging people, throwing small children into the air. I kid, that did not happen, but um, just a, a real party atmosphere just there. Just an absolute great atmosphere. And um it, it's one that's going to take a long time for us to see something like that again with the way the AHL just has sort of become. And, um, you know, the um, the MVP for the series was Chris Bork um, with the clutch goals that he had. Yeah, I thought I thought Giroux might get it. But um, um, Chris Bork, I think, was deserved with the clutch goals that he had um, in Albany and Manchester. Um, and especially with the way with Giroux kind of dropped off in the finals. I think if you're looking for one of the more consistent players, I think it probably was Chris Bork. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, clutch factor, I think maybe wins the debate, although, you know, Giroux's goal in game five is in my mind, one of the most memorable goals of that playoff series. So, you know, I would tend to say I'm a little split on that one. I think he probably could have gone either way, but you know, I think memorabilia factor is just, you know, too much on Chris Bork's side to not give it to him that point. At what point did they make that decision for it? Hard to say, but, uh, yeah. you know, definitely, you know, you could have picked any number of four or five guys to to take home, you know, and unless we forget like Andrew Gordon, Keith Coin, you know, it's honestly, uh, you know, put all those guys in the middle and toss it over your shoulder and whoever catches it, they'd earned it anyhow. So, um you know, I think it could have been any one of those guys, honestly. It, it could have. And um, that would it's, it'd be the last time the Bears would make it to the finals for about the next five years. But that's a different show. Capped off in a golden era of Giant Center of five years. And um, th- it's a lot we've covered and we've reached 
almost the two-hour point of this podcast, but it's for good reason. There's a lot to cover with this team, Corey, and um, it was a lot of fun going through this 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 team and especially the playoffs as well. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the one thing I always take away from this series is, you know, you and I were particularly young with our Bears fandom when, you know, we kind of had this time, this series, these things. And, you know, like you said, it was a long time afterwards before the Bears would even get close to, you know, um, this far to getting to the finals, even especially, um, you know, it makes you appreciate it a lot more. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm very excited about this group of Bears that are coming into this this coming season for 2022, 23. And, you know, it just makes you, it, to me, it makes me feel like I'm going to appreciate it a lot more when they get back to that point and hopefully capture their 12th Calder Cup. Um, extremely optimistic again about this season. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think we're really going to appreciate it a lot more just for how long we've had to wait. I mean, it's almost historic amounts of long between cups for the Bears, but it does make you respect how how hard this team battled, even just a little bit more. I mean, obviously, we're kind of living in the euphoric state of back-to-back cups, and, you know, the good times were always rolling here, more or less. But, uh, you know, definitely turns the appreciation factor up a notch uh, going back and reliving it, for sure. Definitely. And for all of you that stuck around for listening to this, I thank you all so very much for doing this. Corey, I'll give you a quick minute or two on the way out to, um, you know, whatever you're doing and, um, you know, make sure you check them out with hockey season right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me over on at HBH nation blog for my Twitter where, you know, it's kind of my main area for all things bears. Um, field pass, uh, has a spot there as well at FPH bears. And you can follow me for a lot of other random stuff at at Eleven. Excellent stuff, man. Excellent. Of course, you can always follow the show on Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter and myself, rblast 64 as well. My feed will get a lot more active. I will warn people I retweet a lot of stuff, but that's just part of the sports media group that I'm with and helps me get mine and a lot of other people's stuff out there as well. So thank you, Hershey Bears faithful, Bears Nation, for tuning in to this megacast as this 2009-2010 retrospecticus of this season. And I think, Corey, I think we're on to something here. And I think if we do this again, which we probably will, I think we need to go back to a team that everybody loves, that a team that everybody just just loves to hold on to an era that really took out, took in giant center. And I think we might need to do Oh five Oh six next. I think we oh, might need to do that one. That'd I think be that awesome. might be a fun one. Definitely hundred oh, percent e- either that one or the Oh eight Oh nine, but we'll see how it hits us once we get everyone. But, but thank you bears fans for listening to this, to this Oh nine, 10 retrospective podcast as well. And Hershey bears hockey. will be back before you know it. Go Bears, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 